Welcome to That's So New Media, a podcast about tech's impact on creative culture. Today, we're chatting about love in the digital age, how us romantics are sliding into people's DMs and expressing our love through code. Today, our friends are Veronica So. Hello. And Niall Thompson. Hey. Veronica So is an independent producer working on projects with fine artists, game developers, AI programmers, and writers. Her productions have been exhibited at the Venice Biennale, Serpentine Galleries, and the App Store. She's currently working on producing an animated film with artist Ian Chang using video game software. She's written for a range of publications covering fashion, technology, and culture. A self-described 49% producer and 51% fangirl. Niall Thompson is the managing director of Dandelion & Burdock, a production company that creates content and consults for brand events and live entertainment. DNB's highlights include projecting onto some of the world's most iconic structures, including Buckingham Palace, the Guggenheim Museum, and the Hoover Dam. Niall has brought to life immersive experiential and software projects and believes in tech as an element to enable new kinds of experiences. He's also a hopeful romantic. Hi, friends. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Hi. Um, okay, so let's be clear. I don't slide into anyone's DMs. I think I might have tried once, but it ended up just tanking so badly. And I think that guy blocked me. Um, <laughs> but I remember when I first got into creative tech, I saw this piece called Europa by Glenn Murphy. Uh, he's now director of design, I think, at Google. And the description says he was bored and in love. So he wrote a processing app of two sprites just ice skating together. And so I think music, poetry, and all those other forms are all just classical forms of expressing love. But that piece made me realize that code is definitely one of the newer ways some of us use to express ourselves. Um, so it's kind of insane. I, I know that the three of us have talked about this separately, but um, have you guys yourselves experienced like gifts of digital displays of love or like done them yourselves or anything that stick out? Yeah, I like constantly seeing people pull off digital stunts for their loved ones. Like I was working with a video game programmer and he was telling me about this one ex-girlfriend he had. He knew that it wasn't going to work out when he, for Valentine's Day, he coded an entire game for her in Unity. And when he gave it to her, she was really confused and she didn't really know. She she couldn't understand his code love language. And she was like, why didn't you just like, why can't you just get me a Valentine's Day card and take me to dinner like everybody else? And like, when I heard that, I was like, man, like, Sam, you really were with the wrong person because he he's an amazing guy, you know, really talented. Mm. And that's, that's his way of expressing affection. It's like putting all putting what he's good at into how he uh, has relationship. Yeah, I wonder if that's one of those things where if you don't code, you don't really know how much work was put into it. Because um, I'm like, oh my God, anyone could buy a card and take you to dinner. But like, if someone coded you something, oh my God, that's like, yeah, I was like, did she know you at all? There's probably other ends of that spectrum where people would actually do a code review on a loved one's coded project and probably have their own opinions and thoughts. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, this code isn't very clean. Actually, you could have done it this way. Or like people who speak different code languages, like some people like are like really elite, <laughs> like Ruby on Rails or something. <laughs> or they submit like a pull request to their loved one. That reminds me of Kyle McDonald and Lauren McCarthy, who I think like they had a GitHub project together where they had a repo. And then they would, oh my God, I'm going to butcher this description to death, but um, they had a repo where they would add different, I don't know, things about their dates, details about like their own perspectives on how things are going. And then I think when he was proposing to her, he asked to merge the project. He proposed with GitHub. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> but yes, he he proposed through GitHub. And I was like, that is the nerdiest, but also most romantic thing I mean, I've ever seen in my life. pretty apt. I uh, mean, <laughs> I got to say, it's pretty great. <laughs> I mean... 
but I think I think just the the general notion of of having digital representations to express love, you know, by its very inherent nature, they're they're either either public or private, and you know they could be private as in the form of a code base, but for the most part, they're probably going to be very kind of public exhibitions of your love for someone. Yeah, if you're talking about Lauren McCarthy's work, it's just like it, it just seems like a perfect thing because. You know, with even her AI project where she was kind of the stand-in Alexa in people's homes, like that is like a ex- really big, intense expression of love. Like she definitely publicly expresses love in a lot of ways. But uh, the GitHub thing is definitely, yeah, really, really secret. It's like the way that she knows how to express herself best, um, which I think what is what makes her art practice in general so solid. It's like, oh, obviously, you know, Lauren has kind of done a self-diagnosis on what language she knows best and uses that to her advantage, or like at least uses it as, in her words, like hack her way through social interactions. Um, So you're right. She's a really great example of this. You know, the only kind of similar relationship I have that is anywhere near that, and it's so not as cool, but I, I always thought it was really interesting is I've been sharing an eBay account with one of my gay friends for, I think, almost 10 years now. And it's super intimate because every time I watch something or I bid on something, like he gets a notification in his email too, that I've just bought the lamest thing, like some SNL Adam Driver t-shirt or something. I mean, it's like, it's also got like housey and it says like season 45. And, but I don't, I always thought that was like really intimate. Like we hardly (laughs) ever talk, like we don't really text each other. We don't remark upon it about what I'm, my buying habits or whatever, but. I always thought it kind of connected us in some way, even though we don't really talk. But it goes both ways, right? Does he also add things to the list? Yeah, he does. It's cute because you could end up kind of surprising each other with with items that you've watched that you had never any intentions of purchasing. I have yet to receive a gift, Niall. I have yet to receive (laughs) something off my wish list. Natalie, do you want to share eBay accounts? Yeah. (laughs) Be happy to, Niall. (laughs) Now, okay. I mean, every Twitter thing or every relationship there's this constant joke about sharing Netflix accounts. And I remember on the flip side, when I was breaking up with someone, it was like three months after we had broken up and this guy was still using my HBO account and there was no way for me to kick his ass off. And so I had to like call HBO and be like, can you log me off of every instance that is using my HBO account? (laughs) (laughs) Man, that is a low blow scumbag move to keep using someone's Netflix account login like after you break up. I mean... You know, but it's one of those things where our devices are logged in. We just treat it as permanent access, I guess. I've had wonderful stories about that where somebody will cut it off just after episode nine of a 10 episode series. So they, they missed the finale. Oh. And they're timing this, this moment where they kind of retract the access to the account. <laughs> so crazy. Um, but all of us have those things of like sharing Netflix accounts and like in a way that is similar to the eBay thing where it's so intimate where I can see my friends and what they're watching and what they kind of favorite for each other in a weird way. Like my friend will call me and say, oh, hey, I favorite a few movies that I think you'd like. And so like those are in a weird way displays of love, whether like acts of service or so. But it does hint towards this kind of, you know, somewhat intimate, if we want to use that word, like nature of being able to share accounts that are determined to be used by one person so even just the notion of setting favorites or preferred ways that you want to view things or episodes you want to watch like you're setting a behavior that's being tracked that is forming a profile and sharing that with someone means that they're contributing to it i mean you're also living in their algorithm 
in some way yeah. or in each other's, I guess. Can't tell how I feel about that. It sounds slightly erotic and slightly wrong. It really is. <laughs> no, I, I, I think it's interesting because like, have you ever tried starting a brand new profile on Netflix, like Fresh Slate? Uh, no, I have like my own account and I have kids and I just imagine the kids, kids are my kids, but I don't have any. <laughs> you can like act like a child in, in your kid's profile. But like I used to cheat on my husband on another like Netflix account if I was watching too much Frasier ahead of him. And so I would <laughs> oh, like, I love Frasier. the best. Frasier is the best. So, but I was like watching it at a much quicker speed as he did. And he's not as much of a binger as I am. So I would like creep into another Netflix profile and like watch ahead, but then like jump back into mine to like go back to where he's at. So. But wouldn't, wouldn't he notice that there was another account? No, there's like a bunch of accounts. Like I, I share with my brother, I share with his mom. <laughs> Let's talk about Frasier. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so I just finished it all. Like I'm done. So I've seen it probably four times. And my dream, I don't know how well you know the program, but my dream is to purchase the Rauschenberg poster that's in the hallway to the very back of the apartment. It's a, an old 19... Oh, the one that's... Yeah, it's framed on the wall. It's a 1972... Is the one that's going towards Daphne's? Uh, no, it's going towards Fraser's bedroom. It's a 1972 poster advertising a show in Venice. Oh, my God. I don't know. My dream is just to replicate his apartment, basically, and that's the first step. <laughs> that is amazing. But, well, I actually think this is quite interesting because I do think there is a lot of room to recreate sets from popular... TV sitcoms like I think we've seen it with like the friends sofa but I think there are some very iconic apartments that could be recreated as experiences and I think we should do Frasier first absolutely I mean it's like IRL VR <laughs> I completely support your live action role play of Frasier I can totally see us having like sherry night we tried that we've done sherry nights we have we don't like sherry very much we don't like sherry we went to opera together and that was very fun we should have gone home and had a tipple of sherry just to finish it we off. We should have, damn it. <laughs> I thought you were going to ask us about whether we've slid into people's DMs. I thought this was going to be an inquest into our, <laughs> let's do that, let's do that. our online behavior. I do love that notion of the verb slide. You know, like, is it always sliding in? <laughs> do you ever like... That's a good question. Is it like one of those, like... Is it one of those risky business Tom Cruise type slides? I always imagine that's what the slide looks like. <laughs> well, okay. Have you risky business yeah. slide in, slid into people's DMs before? <laughs> uh, maybe your DMs, Natalie. Oh, BB. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't really slid into anyone's DMs romantically, so I couldn't say. Aww. But Niall, how about you? Yeah, I definitely have slid into people's DMs, Tom Cruise style, <laughs> with the sunglasses, and then go into a full-on rendition of, what's the song he sings in that movie? I actually have no idea. I know he's in his socks and little else. That, that's all we need to know. That's all we need to know. Yeah, that's mostly my default state. <laughs> so do you have like a phrase that you use, or do you, is there a way, is there a strategy that you use to slide in? Who are you asking? <laughs> that could be super dirty. Uh, you just jumped in. <laughs> We're going to edit that out. No. R-rated podcast. (laughs) I'm so red right now. So, Niall, what do you say? Because, like, you know, in in real life, when you go up to someone in a bar, you can, uh, you know, put on some swag, some charm, and just be like, hey, baby, you know, can I buy you a drink? But here you can't 
can't really do that. I have swag. I have charm. You <laughs> online though? <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Like I used to be a lot more active on Twitter. And that's when I was doing a lot more web development. And so as a result, a lot of the people I follow and interacted with were in that community. And I would actively reach out to people if I knew I was going to be in their home city to try and meet with them in person. You know, I wasn't necessarily sliding into their DMs for something untoward. It was mostly trying to connect with my community because inherently the web is very digital and is very remote. And, you know, I had this opportunity to connect with people who were influencing and advancing the progression of technology on the web. And a lot of people actually met in real life and formed good friendships from that, but no kind of surreptitious. Niall, my my question for you is whether you set up like a a flare, like what up London or like what up South by like, do you do the the call or do you? The swaggy little Londoner is in your area. I'm not an expert on on the sliding into DM. Let's let's just make that clear. I mean, actually... I don't know if there's a relevant piece of information or not, but like, I'm sure having an English accent helps you when you meet someone in person, but you can't do that in DMs. You can't do that in Twitter or instant message. <laughs> you could do an vo- uh, audio recording. I, I thought you were going to say, I mean, I can't quite remember how we met, but maybe I slid into your DMs and that's how we became good friends. Is this true? No. You guys. <laughs> not, well, actually, actually, um, we met in person in the nerdiest way at a CodePen meetup. Wow. And then later on, you followed me on Twitter and that's how we became friends. There we go. So you definitely followed Natalie. I did a reverse, a reverse slide out. <laughs> <laughs> reverse slide out is a slide in. <laughs> um, but you know, like, I'm wow. sure. It's the sweat in the tone. <laughs> but I'm sure when you like meet people online and stuff, to be able to maintain that relationship or at least like put a spark in it, there are things that you have to do, whether it's, you share music with each other. I remember the last guy that I dated, he had like messaged me and then was like, hey, I remember that you liked Radiohead. So here are some other bands that you might like. And that gave me a, a different layer of depth to that person. Um, so are there things that people have done for you guys or things that you guys have done to give yourself a more personal flair to your online profile? Crickets. Crickets. I mean, it's really hard. I mean, like, you know, it's really funny about music because like you're talking about like a playlist or, you know, mixtapes and mix CDs and stuff. Like certainly used to make a lot of mixtapes and mix CDs, but it's like, I never get that kind of extra external curatorial suggestions anymore. Like with music in particular, I get a lot of like forwards from like Instagram posts that are cool. But like in terms of like getting, getting new music, you got to ask for it now. It's like not something that you just like make a Spotify playlist with somebody and you just share it like unsolicited if you have just been thinking of a person. It's like really strange considering like how much more music is out there. But like, I, I'm not even in the habit of doing it. I'm like a major person who used to make a lot of mixes. I still share music with, with friends and I still make, I still make mixtapes. Mixtapes? Well, you know, the, the, the modern digital version of a mixtape. Oh, in what way? What does that mean to you? Um, it'll be a playlist in Spotify with a custom cover. And I think... Custom cover? Most of the time, and a custom title. Um, oh my God, that's so cute. I think most of the time I'm sharing that with, you know, individuals. I wouldn't say it's something that I publish publicly or share with, you know, with a group of people. It reminds me of a time, I think it was 2005, when I was courting the advances of somebody who lived in Paris. And it was around the time when mixed CDs didn't really exist anymore, but I, we connected over music. So I wanted to send her 
a playlist. So I went out and bought an iPod Shuffle, and it felt very impersonal just to send her that in the mail. So what I did was to try and customize it. I actually made a, a handmade box in which the iPod Shuffle would fit in and had room for a message, and then sent that. And it you know had that kind of personal touch, and it was it was really well received. What a premium gift. Sorry, guys. Niall is not single anymore. Just FYI. <laughs> We're just navel gazing about our single like, digital life. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like, it's so it's so great to hear that you can take something that seems impersonal and then add so many personal touches to make it feel like such a more premium product, like Veronica said. Um, and like, you know, it's a mixture of tech future forward stuff with like a little bit more analog classical traditional ways of showing affection um which i find really adorable but i do think it's difficult it's difficult in the modern digital age to encapsulate something that you know inherently isn't physical and you're trying to capture memories and you're trying to capture emotions in that and it's it's very ethereal it's 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 mostly going to be the form of a link whether it's to a photo album a playlist you know a video that you've made a recipe that you like, like all of these are just digital links that are temporary. You know, there's no way to kind of encapsulate and treasure that forever. There is no forever in, in the digital world. I do wonder whether you want to or not, because I think about how when you break up with someone, you know, in all those movies, you have those iconic scenes where people take everything that they, the necklace and the letters and they burn them and they throw them away. And then in, in the digital world, like you delete them. <laughs> like, um, and so it makes me wonder, like in the past, when you did throw them away, there was no way to recover them. So is that something that we want to do? Is that something that we wish we could do? And is that something that you guys like have kind of witnessed in your own romantic lives? I mean, I do think it's a good question. Do you, do you throw away love letters from previous relationships? Depends. No, (laughs) absolutely not. I love a good memento. And yeah, I mean, things that are, things that are physical, like have so much more tactile qualities about it that you could, you know, you touch it, you could smell it. I mean, not a, I, I don't fetishize all these things discreetly, but I think when it's a link that expires or like an image that's no longer hosted somewhere and unavailable, it's like, it is gone. And, you know, Natalie and I talked really briefly about like websites, like websites that you've, even personal websites or websites for projects that you cared about deeply at one point, the domain expiring you not paying your bills. So it just like is gone. Um, and trying to get it back. Like it has a a similar feeling, but not one that is as proactively destructive as burning something. Right. Right. (laughs) I mean, I think we talked about this yesterday and Niall and I actually talked about websites as well, but, um, I remember when I had in my last relationship for his birthday, I had made him a website. And then when we broke up, I deleted all the files and I was no longer hosting it anymore, but the domain name I had bought for two years because I was really optimistic about our relationship. And so like Namecheap, when it was coming up, it just kept saying like, hey, your domain's going to expire. Like, do you want to, do you want to, you know, come on, what's going on? And I was just like, no, I wanted to leave me alone. I don't want to see this name anymore. Um, And to have these things where like, obviously all, all of us have had those experiences where, you know, when you buy a domain name for longer, it's cheaper. And so it really does test that boundary of like, how serious am I with this? And like, <laughs> the, the cheaper you are, the more haunted you get by this domain. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you're, um, when you're on Instagram or something and you break up with someone, Instagram doesn't know when you broke up with someone. So it keeps going, do you want to see this person's feed? Do you want to see this person's photo? They just posted something and you're like, no, like, leave me alone. <laughs> 
And computers and the internet just don't see those nuances and relationship changes. But I wonder if they do actually know, because, you know, you have a certain interaction with someone online. And at some point, if that just dramatically stops, they must have some indication that you've lessened your interaction with that person. Um, They must have some sense that you know, that relationship is strained or broken. So you're saying that it knows and it still pesters me regardless? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, we know you broke up. Are you sure you don't want to rekindle this? Are you sure? In the domain scenario, you could always forward it to an unsavory domain or, you know, something for your own benefit. <laughs> <laughs> this, is all, this is all under It's, the, it's like the, the new version of the personal ad that you prank your friend with. <laughs> But I guess it's all under the premise that that website's still being visited. And, you know, if it is a personal exercise of affection for somebody else and you've moved on from the relationship, chances are it's not being visited at all. So it's kind of a moot point. And it's just the form of like a billing or a reminder that as the original creator of something, you know, you were you were there at the inception of it. And you were responsible for it. Right, right. But like, you know, in that same regard, even though I deleted the um, files that were hosted online, I didn't delete the actual files that are on my computer. They're still there. And it's like, you know, let's be honest, it's not really because I want to save the actual thing, but it's because there's code in there that I'm hoping that would come in handy later on. (laughs) Um, But, you know, let's to pivot back to a more uh, optimistic sense of the topic. um, Is there, you know, Dating itself is hard, um, all that kind of stuff. There's like Tinder and OkCupid and all that stuff. Do you guys have like fun love stories or things that could only happen in the 21st century? Are there things that have happened or connections that were made that could only be made through tech? I mean, Niall, I don't know if you want to go first. I I can go first. (laughs) I don't know how eager you are. (laughs) Sounds like you kind of want to go first. I mean, it's kind of just a longer story, (laughs) so I'd let you go first. Um, But I guess that is to say like the story of like I'm married now and like the inside joke is that I'm, I met my husband at a bar randomly. And at the end of the night, he said the dorkiest thing to me, which is like, Oh, let's be friends on Facebook. And this is like, back in a time when that was just like, actually just like, really intimate and like, not cool. (laughs) It wasn't like casual. It was like, Facebook was still kind of like where only your friends add you. (laughs) Um, And I thought he was like, such a nerd and really forward and really bold. But it always stuck with me that he did that. And, uh, at the time I was living in London, I had met him in Brooklyn. I was like, look, look, guy, like I, uh, his name, he has a name. His name's Matt. Um, I was like, <laughs> I was like, look, Matt, um, I don't live here. I'm, I'm going back to London next week. So like we could be friends on Facebook, but you know, that's it. Um, don't get your hopes up. So years later, when I moved back to New York, Instagram in that, in that within those two or three years, Facebook had bought Instagram and, uh, it used to, rem- it used to tell you when your Facebook friends were on Instagram so you could add them. And he basically got a notification that I had moved to New York because we had been friends on Facebook. Listen, we had not even talked like the whole time. I I had a whole relationship while I, after I went back and he hit me up. I, I don't remember. I don't think there was DMing at the time. I think it was just comments, but he was like, Oh, I like, he saw me at comic con and he was like, Hey, like, let's hang out. You're in New York. And that's how we reconnected. Oh, wow. I mean, I we got together like before Tinder, before all that, but we're kind of an old school in that like it was Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it was it was like acquisition of Instagram. Like it was like really that's crazy. <laughs> um, that's incredible. That's so sweet. But I guess at, at its very heart, you still met in a very classic environment. You met in a bar, which is 
probably where people don't really meet so much mm. these days. I think it is heavily reliant on technology. Yeah. I think I would have never spoken, I would have never seen him again if he hadn't been so bold as to actually try and forge a connection in that mm-hmm. way. Was that similar for you, Niall? I think for me, like being in a long-term, long-distance relationship, it kind of means that we have no choice but to rely on technology. I mean, we've met in a, in a, in a very old-fashioned way. We met in the theater, which doesn't involve much technology at all, but you know, in the day-to-day experience of our relationship, we, we heavily rely on technology to, you know, be able to communicate and to be able to connect with each other. So, you know, that will take the form of FaceTiming, you know, which, which gradually started from, you know, WhatsApp texting to FaceTime audio, and then you kind of progress to the next level, which is FaceTime video. <laughs> next level. Second phase. There's <laughs> like second phase, third what is phase. That like, uh... um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and just other things. I mean, I think the fact that it's also long distance, you know, means that there are other things that we need to kind of plan and organize to have ways to kind of connect with each other. And that might be something like planning a holiday together or sharing photos or memories, or even like our own kind of emoji language, which is kind of secret and our own. And it's, it's used to kind of signify certain feelings or emotions or to kind of remember certain moments. Okay, that's really freaking cute. <laughs> um, but I'm sure, you know, being long distance and not being able to see each other a lot, um, getting gifts for each other or doing like certain acts of love must also take place in the digital realm as well. Massively. Yeah. I remember when I was in a long distance relationship, I couldn't be with him or something during his birthday or some certain celebration. Um, So I had like gone onto a map and figured out where he was um, in that city and then did a like a send him a Groupon for something that he really liked near him at the time. And thanks to Google Maps and all these things, that was my way of like showing that I put a lot of work into this gift, you know? And so like, I'm sure that has happened for both of you as well. It was just my birthday and I received the nicest gift from Luana, which was the most analog thing it could be. It was a, a photo album, a photo album of all our kind of moments from the last year or so that we've been together. And I do think it is in these analog moments that, you know, might have transpired through digital means like through digital photography but they've resulted in this kind of memento or this token that really kind of encapsulates some of the wonderful memories that we've created together one of the ways to my heart is food i had i was see i was seeing someone talking to someone having a long distance romance with somebody um who lived in london and i was working in new york in like a corporate office and one of the most romantic things ever was he used a i mean it was like an Uber Eats. I don't know if it was Yelp or something. He used an app to send me fresh baked cookies randomly in the middle of the day. And I, I think we had spoken about how my day was not going so well, Aww. but it was, it was so modern. It felt really modern, but also really old fashioned because, you know, food delivery. Yeah. One of the most romantic things ever. Fresh baked cookies in the middle of the workday. Do you know what I think is really cute is when you see couples on airplanes and they synchronize watching the same movie together. Yes. That is very cute. And the AirPods now, you can sync to the same phone, the new versions. Yeah. That's very romantic. Oh, it's like sharing um, like two sides of the headphones or earphones. It used to be that, yeah, you have to split it up, but now you could. Now you can both have the optimal audio experience together. It sounds like an advert. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Apple, if you want to sponsor this podcast. But I do think there are, there are interesting ways to, to share a moment, even if you're not together. And I think the food one is interesting because you could almost cook from the same recipe. So you're both kind of having the same meal. You just don't happen to be together. Mm. But again, I think it's in a very analog form, even though you're probably sharing that recipe digitally and, you know, maybe FaceTiming each other afterwards. One person's meal might be slightly 
not as good as the other. <laughs> you have to suffer by yourself. What What are you trying to say? <laughs> I did not say. <laughs> I'm casually skipping over the answer to that. Um, I think, you know, synchronizing Netflix play videos and all that stuff um, when you're abroad or when you're not together in the same space is also very common um, for long distance relationships and stuff. It's like, okay, are you ready? Like I'm on three seconds in, one, two, three, hit play, you know? And we've all done that. And I often think about how, you know, how nice it would be if Netflix or one of these companies made an option or made a function for this. But then it's like kind of adorable that you had to do a little bit of work to synchronize together and it makes it even more intimate. I mean, I'm surprised that they don't have that function like yet in Netflix. Like it's not even a romantic thing for me. Like me and my girlfriend spent like four or five episodes of the Japanese terrace house just like, trying to get to the agreed upon seconds <laughs> to watch that whole season together. And it was like a lot of work, but it was cute. Do you remember the time that we were going to conspire to fill out an application for me to be on Terrace House? Niall, I think they heard, <laughs> I think they heard us through the microphones and our laptops or phones because there is a very cute white Italian guy <laughs> on the latest season uh, who seems like an imposter. Yeah, I don't know, Niall. No. Been- he speaks Japanese. He speaks Japanese and Italian and all kinds of crazy things. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I think like even with something like Tara's House, there's so, such an intimate thing about watching all these things together and sharing those laughs and sharing those like sad moments together, even though you're not in the same space. Like, I'm sure a lot of people have done that with like Game of Thrones and stuff. But I think you're right. I think it's in the serialization of digital content where there are moments in which we can connect and comment and share opinion about what we've experienced. And I think that's why TV's become so popular, you know, whether it's a, a radio show or a series of other kind of content, like there's ways that we can kind of connect and share opinion on it. On that note, um, in the whole online world, I just read a play called uh, Water by the Spoonful. It's a fantastic play, but a lot of it takes place on an online forum where people are dealing with addiction with each other and helping each other through a really difficult time when they'd never met before. And uh, Veronica and I were talking yesterday about you know, when we were kids in high school or college, we were on these forums making these deep friendships and telling these people online things that we would never tell our actual friends, our real life friends. And so like, there are probably times that all of us grew close to someone or like cared for someone that we've never even met in real life. And I wonder like, have you guys had moments like that or like times like that where I know a friend of mine was uh, DMing with someone on Tinder for a while and they clicked so well online and they were talking for like a week. But then when they finally met in person, for some reason, they had nothing to talk about or they had a really awkward interaction. And so I wonder like, if our online personas make for a whole different world than the ones in real life. I still think about this one guy that I used to talk to back in the thousands. Maybe it was like 2002 or 2003. There was this website. It was, it was called Makeout Club. And it was like sort of like an indie. It was like indie, pierced, tattooed, like suicide girls adjacent kind of community. <laughs> um, and, and I, I remember meeting this really nice guy and he was older than me. He, he was in college or even maybe even beyond, but it was, you know, when people were still kind of instant messaging mm-hmm. uh, with each other. And I remember he was telling me about this breakup he had, about like how he missed her and like all these kind of intimate details. I didn't know this guy, I never talked to him on the phone or anything, but I still think about him. Um, not in a romantic way, but just because he was sharing with me all these things that I kind of knew that he had no one else to really talk to about mm-hmm. it. And it wasn't about me at all. And it wasn't about us. And it wasn't about how I responded. But yeah, those those interactions with people you don't know are some of the most memorable interactions I've had. For sure. 
I don't know if this is entirely relevant, but I met my first girlfriend when I was a teenager in an AOL chat room in the old AIM. No way. Wow. And I remember this was on dial-up internet. Yeah. This is probably revealing too much about my age, but she was like, can you send me a photo of, of yourself? And I was like, sure. So I sent her an 85 megabyte bitmap, <laughs> which she downloaded over a series of hours. And to her surprise, it was a drawing of a frog that I had done in Microsoft Paint, <laughs> which I don't think she was, she was really expecting that. And then yet she still decided to meet me in real life. She thought you were very charming and a good artist. Well, my handle was... My handle was froggy6354. <laughs> I feel that like as a generation, we've moved away from the random numbers. Like really have moved beyond. Yeah, because there's no SEO <laughs> on the numbers. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> can't wow. find you with the numbers. <laughs> um, what? How long did it last now? Um, it was an off and on relationship for like three years. Oh, wow. Like we don't stay in touch, but she'll always message me on my birthday and always make a joke, joke about how I'm an old man. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. That's so sweet. She's like basically the same age as me. You know, that's really rare. Nowadays, if you meet someone in a chat room, like the expectations that you're going to meet somebody exactly your year, your age, is just like jackpot. Ah, uh, yeah. Do chat rooms even exist? Like, I don't think anyone meets anyone in chat rooms. Like, that sounds a bit dodgy. I mean, th there's a huge thing about Tinder using Facebook or Bumble using Facebook to make sure that the person you're going to connect with is like one or two people away because there is a sense of security around that probably stemming from the chat room creepiness. But I think this, this is what, this is the issue with sliding into DMs. You're trying to initiate a chat when it's never really been invited. So I think the, the notion of chat rooms that people were there to meet, to meet strangers, to meet, you know, new people. I did notice this trend in um, people sharing Instagram handles now because it feels like that's a non-super invasive way of getting to know someone and sliding into someone's DMs without being too creepy or being too upfront about like what the purpose is. Like there's something nice about getting to know someone before you actually go, you want to go on a date or like, you know, be super serious about it. And so Instagram has actually been a huge proponent to this whole like getting to know people who are more strangers, but not feel like it's too personal. Wait, Natalie, can you say that again? Like, are you saying that people have an Instagram handle specifically for talking to strangers? Well, I, that's not what I meant, but I actually have heard that people do that. Oh. Um, but no, I mean, like when you meet someone new, you know, now it feels kind of weird to just meet someone and go, oh, hey, uh, can I add you on Facebook? Because Facebook almost seems too personal. Mm. But now people are going, hey, do you have an Instagram? Because Instagram, your profile is so public. And so anyone can see it anyways, right? And so when someone tells, at least for me, when someone asks me, hey, can I have your Instagram handle? Um, I'm very happy to give it to them and see what happens. Go for LinkedIn. LinkedIn all the way, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that taps into the notion that Instagram profiles are heavily curated versions of yourself that are, you know, I think you're right in saying that they are somewhat safeguarded in that you can choose who you want to respond to. And there's, you know, certain security features around that. Yeah, but isn't that the same as Tinder and OkCupid and all that stuff? They're all curated. Yeah, but, 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 but having someone follow you on Instagram is adding to your follower count. And True. some people in this world imagine that that's a decent metric to subscribe to. Mm, interesting. Do you not like that method? To be honest, I prefer in-person, real-life interactions. Like, I don't really 
put out that much on the online world, despite the fact that I work on the web and I work in events, like most of my interactions with my closest people, I want to happen in real life, you know, wherever they may be and whatever they may be doing. So here's a question regarding that. Um, I think most of us can agree and say that, yeah, we wish we could meet people in person, but I almost feel like dating in real life is getting harder and meeting people in real life. And I wonder, you know, it used to be a thing where people would go to a bar and they would almost like expect or not be surprised when someone came up to them. And I wonder, I'm not sure, I don't frequent bars very often, but I wonder if now that there are so many avenues in which to date and find people, people are not as open to having those conversations in real life because your phone or your computer creates a barrier that is secure and allows you to like kind of Google everything about this person or know everything about this person before you decide to have that conversation. And so in my mind, I'm thinking like, you know, I, when I wanted to date more, I was going to all these events and stuff. But when I would try and have conversations with people, it didn't seem like anyone would, that was even on their register. Like, I don't think that that was even something that they were considering. Do you think it's fair to Google someone before you go on a date with them? I mean, I don't know, but I think you're going to do it anyways. <laughs> right? Like, come on. <laughs> but You're not going to be like, I'm not going to Google this person. I'm going to have a real cut. No, you're going to Google them. I don't disagree with you, but it does remove the natural progression of a conversation to get to know someone. Yes. Um, but it makes for easier conversation, perhaps. It does, but it also kind of reveals, you know, your intentions or your level of detective work. Mm. But I agree. I think I think talking about people's openness, and I do think it's somewhat dependent on age group, location, but I think people's openness in general uh, is declining. I think, you know, we're forgetting how to have conversations with new people. Um, and I think the word strangers is not quite right. Like if you're on a bar, you all chose to go there and share that that community space. You all made that collective decision, albeit separately. And I think, you know, bars used to be a bit more about meeting people and forging new relationships. And I think that notion is is diminishing. Niall, one can say it's an IRL chat room. <laughs> <laughs> Bad joke, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Um, with all these, with all new tech and all new ways of expressing ourselves, there's definitely pros and cons. But um, I think like one of the things that I wanted to cover um, or something that interests me, I guess, is, you know, we're all part of this creative coding culture and seeing art um, come out in tech and expression come out through tech. And there's so many new ways in which people are using tech to express that. Um, I think it's super fun when, um, you know, there's a mixtape thing and traditional writing music and all that stuff, but so many people are starting to express themselves better through interactive mediums. You know, like we had talked about making a game for someone or making a processing sketch for someone or like, you know, all these different notions of like, oh, I can now make you a piece using data that you, I don't know, with with your heartbeat. You know, there's someone who was having a long distance relationship with someone. I, for, I'm, I apologize, I forgot the name of the app, but they had made an app where if while they're touching the button on the app and the other person is touching the button on the app, then the phone vibrates. So you can create like a physical connection with someone when you're not in the same place. And there are all these tools and abilities for us now to have these like intimate moments. Um, and that's super sweet. I went out with this um, a serious relationship with a really talented graphic designer. And um, we, we were in a band together and, you know, we, we published a magazine together. And one of the things that like was like a huge part of our relationship was I would come up with an idea and he would immediately go and execute whether it was like graphic design or he would make a GIF and he just did all these kinds of things to like flex his, <laughs> his amazing talent, especially, you know, and, and he was like a wizard when it came to like coding a website, getting a, web, a really cool website done. Um, so it was, there was always a really cool sense of like spontaneity and fun with him that really 
defined our relationship. And one of the coolest things he ever did was, you know, we were having a magazine launch party and we had sent out all these like plastic business cards that kind of look like a really cool futuristic tech kind of card, access card. And he um, surprised me by talking to a CGI company to simulate as if if you had held, if you held the card a certain way, it would have a hologram that says like the time and place to be. And like when he showed this thing to me, when he showed me what this company had done, I think, I don't know, he, I think he traded for some graphic design, like talent or whatever, like some hours, but it was like the coolest thing I'd ever seen. Like, and it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily like for me. It was for what we were doing, but I think that um, it deepened our level of communication and like the way we were trying to impress each other all the time. So it wasn't like necessarily like in like our relationship, but it was like kind of the projects we were working on were like our babies, you know, like do anything that we did to serve the project or make the project even better always seemed like a huge part of the relationship. I think we hinted at it before, but output is attractive. And knowing that, you know, he was doing that for the benefit of, of the group. And, you know, that kind of getting things done attitude is extremely attractive. And, and you know, and, and, and I think, and I actually think that, you know, you know, we're still great friends and, you know, he's continued to output. And I think that people online, male, female, any, anybody is very attracted to him because he's always so playful and thoughtful and like always jumping on things right at the right time. And it's definitely a kind of even though it's not consciously sexual, it's like definitely a mating dance of some kind. It's like a bird-like kind of, you know, flashing of color um, that I think makes him, you know, in some ways, I don't think he would ever describe himself as this, but kind of an influencer or kind of a person who makes people excited to watch. Uh, in that regard, you know, we were talking about Instagram and all these like online Googling and all this stuff and the curated profiles in terms of when it comes to dating. And I wonder if... uh in, if anything, that makes it almost easier or better because before it took so long to get to know someone and what they did. You know, if you did meet someone at a bar and you had a conversation, it took a while. But now like you see Instagram and you see all these things and you can get a deeper view of this person and what they're interested in. So you can form a deeper connection or at least have the right questions um, earlier on, which I would imagine makes dating or being interested in someone much easier. I mean, fluffing up your profile with all your interests and cool things is like such a residual Gen Xer thing to do. But I think that like, I think that like that is a huge part of it. And also add, add on top of it, it's like the work that you do is also a way to show everything that you're passionate about. But it's also down to choice and interpretation. So, you know, the, the user chooses what to, to put up and as a, as a representative model of themselves. And then the person who's consuming it has, has to interpret that in the way that they see fit. And often those two things are aligned and occasionally they're misaligned. On that note, um, do you find it more attractive or less attractive if someone is not online at all? You know, some people are like, I don't have Facebook. I don't use Instagram. Does that make it creepier or does that make it better? I think it's a balance. I mean, I've definitely gotten way more curious about people who have no online presence at all, but I don't really know what that reflects. I think people who are casual and kind of posting stuff that they genuinely like, I, I find that attractive. And overposting and oversharing is gross too. So, but I think it comes down to you know considering like self love, and I think certain people might to maintain their own emotional health might choose to remove themselves from these these online communities, and that might also be about you know trying to be as authentic a self as they can, you know taking a break from the digital world or finding things that bring them peace. 
And if that means that they want to uh, not participate in you know the 10 or so different social platforms that there are, which can be incredibly time consuming and you know aren't particularly known for improving your emotional well-being, then that seems like a perfectly reasonable choice. And it's definitely something that we consider within our own, our own practice. You know, we create events and experiences, and we're always looking for ways to integrate new technology into those experiences, but we don't ever want it to become a hindrance or an obstacle. You know, we only ever want those spaces and the environments that we create, whether they're physical or digital, to have a low barrier to entry and where the technology feels almost invisible. You know, this will allow people to, to truly uh, be their own authentic selves within those spaces and experiences. Mm-hmm. I actually feel, uh, I mean, it creates a whole different language as well in terms of like your online persona and how you talk to each other. Because a friend of mine, um, he doesn't use anything. He doesn't use Instagram, Facebook, any of that stuff. But because of that, um, whenever he does email me or text me, remembering to have coffee or just remembering to check in, it feels so much more um, special because he went out of his way to remember it and out of his way to like me and just be like, hey, I thought of you. And there's nothing on Instagram or Twitter or anything that reminded me, I just thought of you. And like that almost makes it more special. (laughs) Not saying that my Instagram friends and Facebook friends are not special. but (laughs) So I do wonder whether like the choice of not being online and stuff makes their persona or their presence that much more valued. Yeah, I think there's definitely merit to that. And I think when people list out the various social networks, I think sometimes people forget about making phone calls. You know, I definitely try to have phone calls with friends where I'll call them out the blue or, you know, kind of text them to say, like, are you free for a chat tonight? Because you really get to connect with somebody and hear their voice and have a, you know, an unscripted conversation with somebody. Yeah. I know Veronica and I do this where we mail each other things. And so randomly we'll get a card or a letter from each other. And it just feels so special (laughs) that, like, we took the time to, like, grab a pen and, like, you know, make something and put stickers on something and, like, being two very, very digital people, it just feels so special. And I think there's definitely been a rise in the last year or two where like a lot of analog mediums have kind of come back into, uh, have become trendy. Like a lot of people are doing ceramics now and a lot of people are doing these very hands-on things because they're realizing so much of our communication and a lot of our work um, happens in the digital platforms. But there's something so beautiful and raw in making things by hand. Definitely. Natalie, I'm just saying you and I, we're on a few different communications. I could slack you. I could text you, I could email you, <laughs> all kinds of things. So letters are like really the, the most ridiculous thing that we do do. We don't live in the same place. And you used to live in the same place as I did. Um, and once you move, we actually became closer because of all these mediums, which is kind of funny to me. Yeah, my girlfriend, she will hide postcards in my apartment for me to find, which is really nice because it's, again, it's that kind of analog, tangible you know, material that has, you know, an image on the front, it's got handwriting on the back, it's got a message that's heartfelt. And it's also quite quite fun because she doesn't know when I'm going to find them. There was one particular postcard that I couldn't find for two months. <laughs> and she kept kind of saying, have you found it yet? Have you found it yet? And eventually I did find it. And it was in the most obvious hiding place. <laughs> but you know, those kind of acts of love can also happen in the digital world. I remember um, Float, the duo of Ben Vance and Kate Parsons. Uh, ben was brought in to do a VR version of Tony Hawk's house because Tony Hawk wanted to give a birthday present to his wife. And so they had recreated the entire house in VR for her to walk through. It was such a long process. I remember when he was telling me um, they were like going through the house and like finding details and things that were so special to them as a couple. And so like to be able to recreate that and like add in those details in a digital form is just so special. So like these are details and things that could happen both analog and digital, which is so special. 
that's that's a really nice concept because I think you know we talk about the permanence of you know these moments and we all live in houses but it won't ever be forever right um you know how do you capture the the interior of these spaces in which you spend most of your life you know creating these memories together and I think that that example is is really quite heartfelt and, and sweet yeah this is actually I don't know if I want to ask this question when you receive gifts and things, um, do you find the analog ones or the digital ones more special or is there a mixture or what are the things, I guess the question is more, what goes into something, what goes into a gift that makes it special, whether it's analog or digital? It's always the thought that counts. I know that's so cheesy, but it's, um, you know, the, the idea that someone wants to send you cookies is one that it's a very pure form, like, and, and, and it's just like the medium in which it's sent or the medium in which it's gotten is really like the thing that decides whether it's analog or digital, right? Like, it's always the devising of how are we going to get this message across? That would be the best. Um, makes it. <laughs> I'm a bit more materialistic. Like, I definitely subscribe to the, it's the thought that counts, but it's also the object because it's, it's a way of that person saying, I really know you, like, I know the person you are. And I think this gift is, is perfect for you at this moment in time. But then I think there's also another component, which is the container, because I think you can spend a lot of time wrapping a gift and, you know, it is trying to capture or encapsulate, you know, that, that feeling that you want to give to somebody when they open it. And I think, you know, wrapping is an art in itself. Um, and again, that can be customized um, through collage or, you know, drawing on wrapping and certainly things that, that I've done before or I've received. So I think it's those kind of three components together, this kind of cocktail of things that make, make something special or memorable. I guess the pack, the wrapping can be, is pretty much in digital terms, like the UI, like how does one approach, how does one unwrap, how does one interact with it? And it's like... Could be a pretty URL. A very pretty URL. <laughs> the perfect URL. <laughs> <laughs> and now with all these different like URL endings, there's so many creative ways. I, a long time ago, I bought this domain, um, let's grab dot coffee. And I've been sitting on it for such a long time and I keep trying to think of a creative idea, but the only thing I can think of is some sort of a dating thing. It's like, let's grab coffee together. You know, through all these means, I know a lot of people have been trying to do or create ways online to meet new people. Um, I remember that viral website that was going around for a while of this like douchebag of a tech dude that made a whole website about himself going like, you have to meet these like three criterias and look at how special I am. Reach out on this email if you want to date me. And everyone was just sending it around and making fun of it because this guy's ego was just like ginormous. But at the same time for me, I looked at it and I was like, oh my God, having like a website and being able to like be pretty thorough would definitely help with meeting people, <laughs> maybe not in the same way, but like it should, at least for me, who's such an introvert and I live so primarily online. Um, I joke a lot about how I'm much funnier on Twitter than I am in real life. And like, I think being able to like have an online persona helps with that so much. But I think that phrase, let's grab coffee, it kind of perfectly embodies that feeling when you have a friend who isn't quite a good friend and you have good intentions to want to meet up with them. So you'll say something like, let's grab coffee, but you never really do. So I wonder if the website could be a way to try and connect those two parties so they actually do it and they actually have a moment where they can actually meet up and share that coffee. What if it's like actually you're the person who suggests that two people get coffee? Ooh, setups are very dangerous though. It doesn't have to be romantic though. It's like, it's like, oh, like Natalie, I think you should totally go meet Niall. Like, I think you guys have something to talk over coffee. Like I've met some of the most interesting and important people in my life when someone was like, oh my God, you just have to meet this person. Just go do it. But I think we're so protective 
we'd want to have that initial interaction be through the barrier of security, whether it's a phone call or an email. Like we'd want that first interaction to be protected. The first impression is super important. Although a friend of mine who uh, grew up in Colombia, he was like, in America, you guys have this weird way of dating. Like back in Colombia, it was you would just hang out with a bunch of people and then eventually you would just be hanging out with one person and then you get married. <laughs> you know, it was like he was like, there was nothing where you go, we are dating now. OK, we are officially boyfriend. He was like, no, it just happened so casually. You just just happen to hang out with one person over and over again and like being with that person. Um, being Having to be so formal is very Western or very American. I think it's like the calling dibs thing. Correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't dating in America that you're seeing multiple people? Whereas in the UK, if you're dating somebody, it's only ever one person. You don't really kind of play the ratio game. I think it depends on how you, you are labeling it, right? Like dating means that, I mean, for me personally, I would say that I'm dating someone, even if I was just dating one person, I guess it, it does have a casual tone to it. Because then you would say like, oh, this person's my boyfriend or girlfriend rather than we're dating because that's so much more casual but I don't know that's how I saw it is this true Niall in England they do one at a time <laughs> yeah <laughs> no I will you know <laughs> I remember a very messy night uh last man standing slash drunk kissing the one the person that he had meant to want to kiss the whole night <laughs> it's like there is that kind of I guess that is the kind of like we end up together <laughs> at the end. Colombian way of dating. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Dating is hard. I think no one understands it at all. I think it's one of those like weird elusive topics that, and which makes this podcast topic so much more interesting. I guess uh, last, last but not least, is there anything that you miss about the good old days of courtship that tech kind of erased? I don't think it ruined it for me because I was never. I, I, I didn't get to participate in all the dating apps and stuff. But I will say that one piece of advice that I've been giving like a lot of my friends who have, in a way, a lot of options in the way they pursue, um, how, how they think about pursuing like a new romance is that I think everyone should really do that practical magic thing that Sandra Bullock does where they make a list. They have to have a map of like what kind of person or what kind of lifestyle or what kind of thing they want before they go out and seek it because there's just so many options I think you kind of need to make a container for yourself before you start like seeking out in the great, great expanse. <laughs> um, no, I mean, lists, like really, like I've always been a fan of lists and I think that, that would, that's a great way to approach things. I think that's great, great advice. Um, I don't know. I feel very far removed from the digital dating world. Like I tried, it didn't quite work out. And then I went back to Swag and Charm and that worked out just perfectly <laughs> that, was, that was just lightly just yeah i'm so just naturally cool as dragon charm <laughs> fraser would be proud of you niall i'm just saying <laughs> fraser would be so proud <laughs> um if you guys haven't picked this up throughout the entire podcast i am sad to say that veronica and niall are both not single um but you can find niall's work at dandelion-burdock.com and you can slide into Veronica's DMs on Instagram at avatars or at veronicawso at gmail.com. Um, this was super fun, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. It was super fun. You're amazing. Thanks for the invite. Thanks, Natalie. Did my internet just die? This is the worst. You're, you're, oh, is Natalie gone? I think we lost everyone. I think it's our own podcast now. Yay. Let's take over. Let's talk about Fraser.